1 Samuel chapter 1, some of my most favorite scripture uh, in the Old Testament. And I'm not going to look at what I normally look at when I preach out of here. Uh, a lot of times I, I look at the fact of Hannah, when she got done praying and lay up, in verse 18, her, and the Bible said in her countenance, uh, was no more sad. And I preach a message on uh, being no more sad or sad no more. And that comes in trust in the Lord. I'm going to deal with that maybe just a little bit. Uh, but I want to preach having a thought today on living uh, a defeated life. Now, Lord help us, we'll preach on living the victorious life tonight. Uh, but this morning I want to preach on living the defeated life. Now, let's look in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Begin to read in verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramoth and Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice and the Lord of hosts in Shiloh, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord were there. And when the time was that Elkanah, and when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did, so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so, so she provoked her, uh, therefore she wept and did not eat. And then said Elkanah, her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee uh, than ten sons? And you all have heard me say this numerous times, uh, not that day. Uh, she was wanting a little boy. And so Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon the seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. Now pay attention to what your Bible says. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou would indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. And now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Can I park right here and just say something for a minute? Ain't you glad God hears from the heart? Amen. Now she's on her knees, she's over there praying in the, in, in, in the tabernacle, uh, and, and her lips are moving, but there's nothing coming out. Must sprayed from her heart. And so therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered, Boy, he had bad discernment there, didn't he? And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and my grief have I spoken hitherto. And then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. You can be seated this morning. 
Lord, we love you. We thank you for your blessings. Uh, we thank you for this church and, uh, Lord, for the folk that have come today. And I pray they'd receive a blessing from the service. I pray somebody that's a lost, that they would get saved, Lord, before it's too late. Lord, I pray they get saved before it's too late, but also that they can get saved in time to serve you and to have a life that is uh, loving towards you. We pray this morning that you'd help the one that might be living a defeated life. They may be struggling, Lord. They, I, I know in these days and times that we're living in, these very last days, folks seem to be struggling. And Lord, I pray today that we can find some encouragement out of your word. Help the one today that just needs some help, and maybe direction. Pray they'd find it in you. Bless us now. Help us while we preach. Uh, touch us and anoint us afresh. And give us unction from the Holy One. And Lord, for we can do nothing without you. And I pray you'd do something that I can't do with these people's hearts today. And with my heart, I pray you'd speak to us. We love you and we thank you. Now please help us. Save that sinner's newest tale for all this in Jesus' name. We do pray. Amen and amen. Uh, as we look in this passage of Scripture, I thought about this as I studied this. I, I thought about how that God knew uh, what was going on in uh, Hannah's life. Uh, the Bible tells us over here that, uh, first of all, that what? That he was the one in verse 5, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And God knew what was going on uh, with Hannah. Can I tell you that uh, no matter what's going on in our life, God knows. Uh, a lot of times we think God don't see. We think God don't know. We uh, think God don't care. Uh, can I tell you this morning, God cares more uh, uh, than men you'll ever know. First uh, Peter 5 and 7 said, Cast and all you care upon him. Why? For he careth uh, for you. And I want you to understand something this morning, uh, say person, Christian, uh, uh, that God cares uh, for you. Uh, listen, I, I, I'm not uh, uh, I, I'm not one of these fellers that uh, just just uh, thinks you can go on and live your life any way that you want to, and uh, God will see you through all of it and all those things. Uh, but I do believe that if you're saved today, uh, uh, that He cares for you. Now, if you're lost, I believe He cares for you too uh, uh, through the love of the of the Son of His uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and I want you to understand that this morning, He loved you so much uh, and loved me so much. And according to Romans five and eight. Uh, the Bible said that God committed His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, listen, while we were in our sin, while we were wretched uh, and vile uh, uh, and just naked before God uh, that He sent His beloved Son who knew no sin, that He loved us so much uh, uh, that He loved us. Amen. And died uh, for us at Calvary. And boy, I thank God for that. But as I preach this this morning talking about living a defeated life, I want you to understand something. God cares for you. And I think we miss that a lot of times that we've got a God in heaven that is watching over us. But I want you to look at something, the situation uh, uh, that Hannah was in. And I, and I really don't believe that Hannah uh, got in this state of mind and, and in this life uh, uh, overnight. And Brother Jeff was talking about uh, that this morning, talking about the war, uh, uh, the wars that's been fought, that everybody was at peace uh, up until one day, and then they said, okay, we're going to go to war. Uh, it just don't work that way. Uh, and when we look at Hannah's life right here, look with me in verse 10, uh, what's your Bible say right there? Uh, it said that she was what? She was in bitterness uh, uh, of soul. 
I, I mean, she was, I, I mean, her life uh, uh, was bitter. I, I mean, no doubt. I, I don't know how much time she spent with Panetta uh, and her children uh, uh, over the year, but I know that once a year uh, they went up to worship uh, uh, and that to the, uh, uh, to the tabernacle. Uh, uh, and I know that at that time uh, uh, she was being, uh, uh, how, uh, what does it say? She was being provoked uh, uh, and her life uh, uh, was bitter. She said, I'm in bitterness of soul. Look in verse 11. And, and now she's praying. Uh, and she told the Lord, and she said, If thou would indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid. Uh, she's in bitterness of soul uh, and she's being afflicted. Uh, David talks a lot about affliction and we studied that on Wednesday nights in Psalms 119 of all the affliction, of all the oppression uh, of those that were uh, uh, against him that he was being afflicted. Look in verse 15. Uh, look what your Bible says. Uh, uh, she's talking to Eli and she said, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. Uh, she's in bitterness of soul. Uh, she's being afflicted and she is a woman that is in Sorrowful spirit. When somebody, you know, it's, it's one thing to sorrow. As we've seen in Ecclesiastes 3 uh, this morning, there's a time to sorrow. Uh, there's a time to be sad. There is a time to mourn. But I'm just going to be honest with you, I, I don't think that uh, we should do this uh, uh, all our days. I mean, you're going to end up living defeated uh, uh, if you're sorrowful all the time. Notice what he said in verse 16. She said this, she said what? For out of the abundance of my what? Complaint and grief. Now think about this for just a second. Think about the shape that Hannah's in. I mean Hannah, for all purposes, if you'll let me say this, I believe she was defeated. I do. I, and you know the word defeated uh, simply, simply means to have been beaten uh, uh, in a battle or overcome in adversity. Uh, to defeat somebody means to overthrow uh, or to prevent success uh, or to vanquish. I think we understand what it means. You want me to tell you what it means? It means to lose. Can, and I was thinking about this. I was sitting on the front row and I'm going to deal with this uh, tonight. But, but let me say this. When we quit fighting, you're going to lose. Amen. If you quit fighting, uh, and you have to understand this this morning, uh, that our Christian life is a battle. It's a fight. I mean, whether you want to believe that, whether you think I'm right or not, uh, but I'm going to tell you, uh, sometimes we just got to keep fighting and fighting and fighting. But here she is. Uh, she's in bitterness of soul. She's being afflicted. She's being a sorrowful spirit. Well, you know when a person's spirit, you know, that's what drives you. That's, that's what makes you go. I, I mean, that's what gives you life and excitement. Your spirit. What's on the inside of you? You ever been around depressed people? You ever been depressed yourself? Your spirit is low, ain't it? You don't feel like doing a whole lot, do you? Don't want to do a whole lot. I don't think Hannah wanted... As a matter of fact, Hannah got to the place that she wouldn't even eat. Now I'm going to tell you something. Your preacher's going to have to get in a real bad place <laughs> to not want to eat. But there's been a few times over life that it's been that way. It just don't mean a whole lot to you. Things going on, I mean, because it has defeated you. Can I tell you something this morning? Stay with me real quick. Uh, suffering is different than living defeated. Because you have to understand, we're going to suffer. 
Uh, Job 14, one man is born a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Uh, if you're going to live in this life, you're going to have to suffer. I mean, for First uh, Peter chapter 2, he said, For what glory is it uh, if when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even here too were you called, uh, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in His steps. Listen, if He suffered, what makes you think we ain't going to suffer? Most of the time, if I'm defeated, most of the time when Christians are defeated, now listen to me, I want you to listen real close because this is going to help you. I hope that it will help you. Most of the time when we're defeated, we have quit trusting the Lord. That's, that's the bottom line. That's the, when did Hannah, I, I'm, I'm skipping to the end here, but when did Hannah uh, find peace uh, and find joy uh, and find victory? When did she find it? When she finally went over there to the tabernacle, prayed uh, and let God have it. Because you know what? Y'all know what I'm about to say. When she walked away from that tabernacle, she was sad no more, but she wasn't holding no little boy. She wasn't holding no boy in her arms. She didn't have no little baby. She didn't even know there's going to be a little baby on the way. But when she left, she was saying, or why? She had finally let God have that thing. Now, as we look at this this morning, it's going to boil down to this. Uh, if you're living a defeated life, uh, most of the time it's because you ain't let God have it. I want to look at four things real quick, uh, and then we'll go find some lunch. Number one, uh, situations. Uh, why, do we, why, why are we living defeated? Uh, because of, we let situations and suffering get the better of us sometimes. This is what's happened to Hannah in the text first. She had no children, but she wanted them. Uh, uh, she sees Peninnah's children, uh, uh, but Peninnah was provoking her. You notice what your Bible said uh, right there. Uh, it said, and as he went, uh, and as he did, verse 7, did so year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Uh, she was provoked as she went to the house of God. As they were going to worship, uh, uh, she was being provoked, uh, and that by her adversary. Your adversary is going to provoke you to get you to quit. Do you understand something this morning? If he can't get you to sin, I'm going to do that here in a minute, but if he can't get you to sin, if he can get you just bothered by something and messed up in a situation or in a time or a suffering or a sadness or a softness that you have, let me ask you this. Do you think that she really wanted to go to the house of God and worship? Do you think she was in a place where she could worship? How many of you ever been living defeated? Uh, I, I mean, uh, life's beat you down. Sorrows beat you down. You're defeated. You're defeated in your Christian life. Do you think you can come to church and worship? I would say Hannah probably didn't even want to go to church. You ever run into people that's being so depressed and being so bothered, living so defeated? And listen, I'm... I, I understand a little bit about depression. I understand those things. Uh, and the devil will take that and he'll beat you to death even with that. And by the way, I always remember this. He'll kick you while you're down. And you need to understand that and I do too. I'm not making fun of people that have problems. I'm trying to get you to see that, that you, you know, used to, I, we go back to them experiences, Brother Jeff, that we've talked about. 
I used to, I, I could not understand. Uh, you know, people people would would go through trouble and people would go through problems, and uh, and 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 they just they didn't want to go to church. It ain't that I agree with it, but I understand it. I, I mean, it, it, they're, they're, I mean, the preacher's going to preach to you and tell you you just need to trust God. I, I, you just need to just let Him have it. Let Him handle it. Cast all your care upon Him for He cares for you. But when you ain't wanting to do that, you sure ain't wanting to hear it either. Amen. And no wonder you don't want to go to church. No wonder you don't want to sit under the preacher. But that would be the one thing that would help you. You know, the Bible talks about in Hebrews chapter 12, wherefore seeing... We're also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, let us run with patience to race this set before us. He, he classifies those things different, weight and sin. I, I remember years ago talking to a preacher friend of mine, and some of y'all know this story, I've told it before. He had a lady, he had a couple in his church, they were an older couple, and, and he got killed on a tractor, had a tractor accident. And, and he was telling me, and, and he said, uh, he, he passed away a long time ago, a while back, and, and, and he said, uh, she, she just can't do it. said, she just can't come to church. said, every time she comes, it, it just, it bothers her so much to come. And, 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 and listen, she's, she's living defeated. And, and I talked to him uh, sometime back and asked him that question. I had to remind him that he had even told me that story years ago. I said, how's she doing? He said, she never got over it. I'm not telling you you're ever going to get over losing somebody. But I, I, don't, I don't think the Lord wants you to live a defeated life. I, I, th- some people, uh, de- the death of a loved one, the death of a spouse, the death of a child uh, has, has defeated them in serving God. It constantly weighs on their mind. He said, let's lay aside every weight. It, it, it waits on you uh, and pushes you down. Our past will do that for some people. My, when I got saved, my past got put under the blood, but so did my future. Hey, we all ought to shout it right there. I mean, boy, what a great day. What a great day it was when I realized uh, when God convinced me and showed me uh, uh, out of this book that not only were my past sins forgiven, but my future sins were forgiven also. You realize when He died at Calvary, He died for all sins. A past, present, and future. And boy, that's a great day when I got to see that. Amen. Are you saying you don't have to fix things with God when you get it wrong? I didn't say that. But I'm telling you, He'll no longer hold anything against me. He messes up my relationship, but it does not mess up my sonship. Amen. I'm still a son of God no matter what happens. Can't be undone. You realize I am the son of Tommy and June Latham in Sweetwater, Tennessee, and nothing I do will ever change that. It can't be done. He can disown me, they can disown me, but it will never change the fact that I belong to them. I'm theirs. Never change the fact. Some people, they let their past, hmm, a past life, past something, bad dealings in life, maybe a divorce has, has, has come about. I'm, I'm not preaching on those things uh, this morning, but, but they let those things, hey, it just drags them down. Church trouble. Man, I'm telling you, church trouble's almost the worst trouble. 
I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, because say, uh, you know, that folk, they, they say they're saved, but boy, sometimes they don't act like it, do they? Amen. What's our weight? I'm talking about situations and suffering, just like Hannah, the situation that she was in, this thing had got her into a place that she's defeated. You know what defeat does? I, I mean, not only is it a miserable place to be in life, but you won't serve the Lord right when you're defeated. You can't testify the joy and the goodness that He's given you. If you do, you'll, 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 just, you'll have to force yourself to do it. Amen. You'll feel bad because everybody else is testifying. You ain't said nothing. Hey, some of y'all, I don't know if I've ever heard you testify. Shame on you. You picking, I ain't picking on you. I'm just telling you, if you're saved, you ought to have something good I to say about God. Amen. What's defeating you? Elijah, he's on the run uh, from, from Jezebel over there. You remember that? He, he, he just won a great big battle. Why is it? I was thinking about this as I was, as, as I was standing in the kitchen this morning. Uh, why is it that, that God, uh, He helps us win battles and fights and answers our prayers and shows Himself to be faithful, but three and four days later, uh, we're still defeated? Wasn't Israel the same way? All through the old, I mean, think about it. Look, look and go back through the Old Testament. I got hurt. Uh, look back and go through the Old Testament. And I, I, I mean, he parted the Red Sea. Remember, he got them across on dry ground. And three days later, they're murmuring. I mean, they sung Moses' song about, talking about how he threw the horse and the rider down in the water and drowned them and all those things. I, I, but yet, two or three days later, they're over here complaining on God. Why do we do that? Situations and suffering gets the better. You realize that we're going to get in bad situations and bad suffering, but it's what we do in the middle of it that matters. There's going to be decisions that we have made, hopefully not now, from now on, but in our past that we have made bad decisions. You know what? You've made them. You've got to live with them. Some stuff ain't going to go away. But it's how you live through it that's going to matter. It's how you trust God getting you through it. Say, Lord, I messed that thing up. I shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have acted that way. Man, I've acted some ways that I wish I hadn't acted over the years. My flesh will get the better of me. And then you've got to go back and talk to the Lord and say, boy, I shouldn't have acted that way, Lord. I'm sorry. Hannah got victory over it because she simply trusted the Lord. The situation and the suffering that she was going through, that it was bothering her. She got victory in it in trusting the Lord. Stuff, number two, uh, the things of this world will defeat you in serving the Lord if you'll let it. Uh, we, we, we work to get it. There's nothing wrong with working uh, or, or we're out using it and there's nothing wrong out using it. But when it takes place, when, uh, when and, and, and let me say this, there, there's a lot of people that, that are living... They, they want the. Let me say this. There's nothing wrong with having things as long as things ain't got you. All right, now let me preach a while. There's a lot of people uh, that all they're concerned about is the stuff that the world has. 
They see it. They, uh, they, they want a better life. Hey, I don't, I don't have no problem wanting you to have a better life. I want you to have a good life. Uh, but let me read it to you like this. Matthew 13, he's talking about sowing seed. Uh, the, the, the parable of the sower. And he's giving interpretation of it in verse 22. He said, He also received seed among the thorns, as he that heareth the word, uh, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. There's a lot of people that are living defeated. I'm talking about SAFO that are living a defeated Christian life simply because they just want stuff. They just want stuff. And they're more concerned uh, about working and getting the money to get stuff and to serve stuff uh, and to serve this world than they are about serving Christ. What was it in Matthew chapter 11? I've been on this verse here Quite for a while, what is it? He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. You know the only way that you're going to find rest for your soul and, and, and to find victory is to serve Christ. It's not the things that we have. Man's life, I mean, what was it? He said, lay not up yourself, uh, treasures upon earth where moth and rust is corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust is corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. A lot of people, they have just, uh, they, they've given in to the stuff of this world. You won't find them in church on uh, Sunday morning or Sunday night probably because they're either working or they're out using the stuff that they work to get. I remember what Brother Danny told me one time. Uh, him and Sister Tricia, they don't, they don't fish on Wednesdays. Or at least Wednesday afternoon. He said, you know why? Fish might get to biting on Wednesday afternoon. And I might not make it to church. Hey, I appreciate the honesty. I do. I mean, I appreciate the honesty that, hey, we just don't go on Wednesday afternoon because we may not leave if we go on over there. I appreciate that. But there's a lot of people who don't have that mentality. See, all that stuff is secondary. That's, that's where I get so frustrated with parents and ball and all that stuff. Because do you know the odds of your child, of your child going to go play, play pro ball? Go look it up. I used to carry it in my Bible. I took it out. But, but, but do, you, do you know what the odds are that your child is going to play pro ball? Very, very slim. I'm not against organized sports. I'm not against that stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. When you bring them to church uh, and, and you let them hear the preaching and you let them go through the same and you put them in Sunday school, you're giving them something that will last the rest of their life. That's why I try to tell you, encourage your children with musical instruments. You're going to give them something that they'll carry the rest of their life. A lot of people are too concerned. I'll never forget when me and Brother Steve, we went up on top of the hill up here. Out of I mean, I hadn't probably been here six, seven months. Uh, Pastor and men, we were knocking on doors. We were going up on the hill and we ran into a gentleman up there. And Brother Steve, he knew him. And we were standing out in the front yard and we was talking to him. And, uh, and, and uh, he said, uh, uh, I was inviting him to church. He said, well, uh, he says, you know, that, that's kind of my day. He said, my kids play sports on Saturday. Uh, and he said, Sunday's my day. I'm thinking, no, that's the wrong attitude to have. There's a lot of people, they, they've sold out for everything else and they, they don't care nothing about the Lord. I know that serving the Lord does not, does, does not finish here. I get that. But I'm going to tell you right now, you show me somebody that will not go to church, I'll show you somebody that won't serve the Lord. You can argue that point all you want to. He loved the church and died for the church. 
heard a preacher talking about this the other day, and I'd, I'd forgot this. And, uh, but you know, when, when, the tabernacle, when the tabernacle was set up, the children of Israel moved with it. Where was the tabernacle? Is in the middle. The house of God was in the middle. They camped all the way around the house of God. You realize that, don't you? The tabernacle was in the center, and they were out around it. That's the way your life ought to be. The tabernacle ought to be in the middle. If the tabernacle moved, they moved. If the tabernacle sat still, they sat still. My, my, mine and Kelly's whole life, and I, growing up, I, I, I mean, it revolved around the church. If the church was doing it, we went and done it. Even when she talks about growing up, I talk about growing up. It didn't matter what was going on at the church, we were there. If I was playing ball and something was going on at the church, ball was out. So, preacher, you played ball? I did for a little while when I was real little. I'm just saying, my mom and dad thought more of church than they thought of anything else. I can I can still remember, remember being in revival. Daddy was buying a brand new car, and I remember we had to go to revival late. I thought, man, we'll get out of revival tonight. <laughs> That's a young teenager, ain't it? Amen. Not sure I was even saved then. But we went to church. It revolved, life revolved around church. It didn't revolve around stuff. Can I tell you that your life should not only revolve around church because, see, you can come and go to church, but it will revolve around the Lord. Your whole life, it shouldn't revolve around stuff. All, this, all these things are just secondary. All these things are secondary. I, I, it's, it, you know, for, what was it he said over in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy uh, or 1 Timothy 6? He said, For the love of money is the root of all evil, while some, uh, which while some have coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I don't know anybody that doesn't like to have money. Because we love to have money. Because that's what we've got to have to pay our bills. I get that. I understand that. I don't like, I don't like the creditor going, hey, are you going to pay this bill? I understand all that. But if it takes precedence over us, you know what that's going to cause? You're going to end up with a defeated life in Christ. Number three, sin... Causes us to have a defeated life. Stay with me now. Stay with me. I'm going to try to hurry. The very thing that will defeat us the quickest is sin. And let me say this. Men, you don't have to sin. We make excuses sometimes for our sin. But the Bible said in Romans 6, Let, let not therefore sin, sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Men, you don't have to sin. You said, are we... Per-? I'm telling you we don't have to sin. And, 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 and that comes back from what people uh, say. Well, you know, I, I'm, just, I, I'm just a sinner. You know, I've been saved, but I'm just a sinner. No, friend, we've been saved from that sin. And you need to get a hold of that. Proverbs chapter 28 put it like this. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. What did he say? We've got to confess them and forsake them. I want you to take your Bible and look with me. In the book of Psalms chapter 38. Psalms chapter 38. David is dealing with his sin. He's dealing with the situation that he's in. Now I'm talking about being defeated. That's what I'm talking about. Being defeated. Living a, a, a defeated Christian life. That means you're losing. Do, do you realize that to win against stuff, you just have to fight and say, yeah, I know I've got to have this stuff, but I'd rather serve the Lord. I'd, I'd, I'd rather serve the Lord. There, there's, can I put it to you like this? I have worked over the years 
I, I worked a job making, very, when I was pastor, when, when I first came to pastor down here, I worked a job where I'm, I didn't make near as much money as I could have as other people worked simply because I wanted to go to church on Sunday. And I wanted to go to church on Wednesday night. And so I, I chose to work a job that would allow me to do that. Now I consciously made that decision. Now you've got to make those, those decisions yourself. But I'm telling you what I did. Uh, but we're, we're dealing with sin. Look in Psalms chapter 38 and look in verse 1. He said, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chase of me in thy hot displeasure. Why does he say that? Because I'm going to tell you, if God gets there, he'll probably kill you. For thine eyes stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones. Why? Because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head and is a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day. My loins, uh, all the day long, my loins are, are filled with a loathsome disease and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. I really believe David is talking about his sin Right here that he's dealt with Bathsheba and that he has dealt and that with Uriah and all those things. And, and he's defeated right here. You know, you go back in Psalms chapter 51 when he is repenting of his sin. Go back and read that. And what was the one thing that, or he asked God to do some things. But one of the things that he asked God to do in Psalms 51 was to do what? Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He had lost his joy. Why? Because of sin. Because he had disobeyed God and he hadn't repented of that thing. Let me ask you this question. He knew Bathsheba was with child. He committed adultery with her, brought that on. He committed murder to kill Uriah and then married her. And God was displeased with every bit of it, the Bible tells us over there. When did, when did God deal with him? When did God deal with him? With Nathan, the prophet. 2 Samuel chapter 12. It was after the child was born, wasn't it? We know how long it takes for a child to come into this world, don't we? So there's a time period right there that David, that David is not right with God. Right? I mean, I'm right, ain't I? I mean, if you go back and you just look at it, God is very displeased. He's committed sin, but He's not confessed His sin nor dealt with His sin till by the time that, that baby gets here. Reckon He had even thought much about that sin? Just because He had committed it and done it does not mean He was thinking about it. Maybe He did. I don't know. Maybe he was dealing with it when Nathan come over there to him. I don't know, but I know this, that when Nathan come over there to him and they finally got down to the brass tacks about the things and he said, Thou art the man, David knew he was had at that point. I don't know how long he dealt with that. I don't know really at what point Psalms chapter 38 and Psalms 51. And you can go over and you can look in Psalms chapter 32. I'll just go over there. I'll read it to you. Psalms, Psalms chapter 32. He's dealing with it again in Psalms 32. And he said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man in whom the Lord, will not, uh, the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and, whose spirit, uh, and in whose spirit there is no God. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. Uh, 
by my moisture he's turned into the drought of summer. Selah. He was just dried up. I believe he was defeated. Sin had defeated him. Unconfessed sin, hidden sin, something he was... Boy, you want to talk about keeping you away from church, sin will do it, won't it? Preacher's liable to preach on it. Sunday school teacher's liable to deal with it. God's liable to just deal with you about that thing. Can I tell you something that, that uh, when, when you're not right with God, uh, you're probably not going to read your Bible and you're probably not going to pray. You're talking about defeated. I'm just telling you, that's a bad place to be. I think about Ruth, Ruth chapter 1, Naomi and Elimelech goes down into the land of Moab. Now, you know what they said? There was, there was a famine in the land, so they go down to Moab, a place that had no business going. She left where she belonged. Her, her and Elimelech left where she belonged, took their family with them. Now listen to me, listen to me moms and dads. They left where they belonged, Bethlehem Judah, which means house of bread. There's a famine in the land, so they leave and they go down uh, to, to Moab. When she got down there, you know what happened when they got down there? Her husband dies. Her, her two sons die. And, and she's left by herself with these two girls that these boys have married. Uh, and she has lived in a strange place for ten years. That's what the Bible tells us. They went down there to be sojourners. The Bible said they were going to sojourn. That means to just be passing through. But yet they stayed for ten years. Now you know what Naomi said when she came back into Bethlehem? She finally went home. For ten years she's lived defeated. Lived defeated. Why? Because they're in a place they don't belong in. And in that place she's lost her husband. It's got worse. She's lost her children. It got worse. And you know what she testified when, when she got back to Bethlehem, Judah? Two things. She said when they come in and they were calling her Naomi, they said, is this Naomi? Couldn't believe what she looked like. She said, call me not Naomi, which means a pleasant. She said, but call me Mara, for the Lord has dealt very bitterly with me. And then she made this statement. She said, I went out full, but I have returned in. Now think about that for just a second. Some people don't realize how full they really are until they get away. They were going somewhere down to Moab because they thought the famine was too great in Bethlehem, Judah. They thought it was too bad up here, so they're going to go to Moab. But boy, after 10 years down there, you talked about getting in a defeated place. She said, I come back empty. And I was more full than I could ever imagine. Sin will do that. Can I tell you this? When she got back to where she belonged, things got better. You know the only place for, for some of you all is going to get back to where you belong. Number four, and last of all, skepticism. That will defeat you. What are you talking about? Doubt and lack of faith. That will wire you out. You'll live so defeated I talked about this last week. Uh, folk, folk that that came that that they 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 all the time doubting their salvation. If you're not saved, get saved. That's all I can tell you. If you're not saved, get saved. But I can tell you this, and I and I said it last week, and I'll say it again. I'll say it again here. Uh, if you come to Him and wanted to get saved that day or that night, that you want and you come and you ask Him to save you, you prayed. You said I didn't say nothing out my mouth. Neither did Hannah. 
Hannah prayed from her heart, didn't she? You know, God hears from the heart, don't He? I want, I want to show you something. Take, take, your, take your Bible and go to the book of John, chapter 1. I want to show you something about doubt. A lot of preachers, boy, they, they wear out doubt sometimes. I, I want you to know that you're saved. You know, little John, 1 John chapter, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, he said that you may know that you have eternal life. Look in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, look in verse 29. John is out here baptizing in Bethabar down at the river Jordan. The next day, verse 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me. For he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John by a record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw him by record that this is the Son of God. All right. John said, I was baptizing down at the river Jordan. The Spirit descended on him like a dove, and God said, The one that I see the Spirit descend on and remain on, that's him, John. That's him. Take your Bible and go to Matthew chapter 11. Now stay with me now. You're going to miss a great truth if you don't stay with me. Lunch will be there when you get there, okay? Matthew chapter 11. I want you to get there and see it for yourself. John says, I know it was him because the Spirit descended on him like a dove remained on him. I know that is Christ Jesus the Lord, the one that I am sent before, although he was before me, I'm sent to preach about him. Look in Matthew chapter 11. John's been in prison at this time probably for about a year. Remember he was put in prison for preaching against divorce. You remember that? You remember he told Herod over there, you can't have your, uh, uh, your, your, your uh, brother Philip's wife. You remember all that? And, and got him in trouble. But look in verse 1. It came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding His twelve disciples, He departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, He sent two of His disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? This is the same John that God said, When you baptize Him, you see the Spirit descend on Him like a dove and remain on Him. That's Him! He's now sent His disciples to Jesus and said, Art thou He that should come, or do we look for another? Can I ask you a question? Do you think John's got a moment of doubt right here? Verse 4, Jesus answered and said unto him, Go and show John again these things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. John would have known that was the truth, and John would have known that that was Christ. But keep on reading with me, verse 6. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out in the wilderness to see, a reed shaken with the wind? Or what went ye out for to see, a man clothed in soft raiment? Uh, behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see, a prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. 
For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which thou shalt prepare the way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there is not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. You know what he said? Though He was defending John. He said, What would you go out to see? A reed shaking with the wind? as it's blowed any way that it can go? Somebody that's in soft run? John was a sight to look at. Leather and girdle, I mean, come out of the wilderness over there, out of the desert, eating locusts and wild honey. Uh, and I mean, he was something, I mean, just preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's down there baptizing. And now he's having a time wondering if this was really Jesus. It'll wire you out. You know, there is proof to salvation. I've got a real good friend of mine. Me and him work together sometimes. And I make mention of him. But, but, but in the old days, Avery was a meth maker. Been in jail. Just, he was something else. Avery was, he's still a pistol, but he, he was something else. And, I, and he'll tell me some of them stories sometimes. But boy, when he gets to talking about the goodness of the Lord, he'll just sit there and weep and cry. He knows what he got saved out of. And that old boy, there's been a change made in his life. And boy, when you get saved, there's a change that gets made in your life. That's how I know I got saved. There was a change. I'm telling you, there was an immediate change, and there's still changes that's taking place even today. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. It's pretty good, ain't it, Brother Bud? There's a change that takes place. You say, well, I got saved real little. Listen, I want you to understand something. Sometimes that's hard. That is hard for, uh, for kids and teenagers. And, and you know, even as you get on up in life, you, you look back at it and you hear people like me uh, preach about there's a change that's made. But when you get saved early in life, you've not really been in a whole lot to get changed out of. But look at it this way. The Lord just kept you out of a lot of things. See, that's my testimony. I got kept out of a lot of things. Got in a lot of messes even after I got saved and probably been around people that I shouldn't have been around. And... But there was a difference. Sin bother, you know, sin, sin bothers me. If sin don't bother you, I'd begin to wonder about whether the Holy Spirit resides on the inside or not. You know, he said, hey, you know, you know, you pass from death unto life because you love the brethren. You know, I love God's people. Some of them are awful hard to like, but boy, I love them. If you can't, if you can't, if you can't settle that thing, you're going to live defeated because you'll never tell anybody about the Lord. When we don't trust Him, listen to me, church. When we don't trust Him, that's going to defeat us. A lack of faith. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding. All thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path. When we don't trust Him, you remember the disciples are on board that ship, and they come over there and said, Master, care us not that we perish. He's on board. I mean, they could look at Him. They could physically touch Him. But yet they weren't trusting Him to get Him through. I go back to that scripture I quoted a few minutes ago where He said, Casting all thy care upon Him, for He careth for you. When, when, our, when our doubt and lack of faith, that will defeat us. I'm, I'm still asking God, preacher, I'm, 
I'm just tired of asking and I'm tired of leaning on. And tra- I'm just going to tell you, they're just going to be sometimes, you're just going to have to believe what this book says and go on. That's the bottom line. You're going to have to trust it. You're looking for something to make you feel good and I want to feel better too. Don't misunderstand me. I want to feel better too. But sometimes you're just going to have to trust Him and go on and live for Him. Let's bow our heads this morning.